Welcome to video game bullshit. So I'm right here with Joe Granado. We're out for his awesome movie premiere at the Green Room. This door. place. Door. Green door. The Green Door, door Room. Door. No, I'm just saying that because Joe posted the Green Room <laughs> on Facebook. Did I, say I, did, I got it started. Yeah. Everybody's doing the Green Room. It's hilarious. But no, at the Green Door, the door is clear. Like, there's some that, green paper. That one, yeah, there's, there's green <laughs> But yeah, we'll put the, uh, the recorder right there and we'll just talk, because it'll pick it up. The music's there. That's why we have my uh, my co-host Kyle, who does all the audio editing later. Post. Poor so, Kyle, okay. we're sorry. Poor guy. <laughs> we're, we're not really that sorry. But um, so, so we're here at Emerald Coast Con out in lovely, beautiful Fort Walton Beach, Florida. And he's going to show off his movie. What's, is this number two for this the This is the second showing... The first that's attached to a con like this, it was, the premiere was, you know, large pageantry at a theater rolling up in the DeLorean, <laughs> getting out in a suit that I couldn't afford. Red carpet. Red carpet. And this... I mean, you gotta go on. big. And, and honestly, yeah. this <laughs> couldn't be more the opposite of that if we tried. This is a straight up punk awesome. rock show. Like, this is... It's literally a punk rock. Yeah, like, like we are on the stage uh -huh. with our projector. I don't mind that, and I think it's fitting, but I also think it's hilarious to go from one extreme to the other at the same oh, time. Oh, it's amazing. Like, yeah, the, the red carpet at the last one, and this one, we're sitting here literally drinking beers. Like, like someone is pissing like in the corner before the end of the night. Yeah. Like, that's happening. Well, and it'll yeah. probably be me, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's all right. And somebody has to be that guy. Right, right. I mean, I, I'll, I'll jump and bite the bullet for that. Hopefully the crowd picks up enough for you to stage dive at the end. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so here were the things I had to juggle when making a film. And it's way too much to fit into 90 minutes. I filmed seven terabytes of footage of the goddamn film. <laughs> seven terabytes? Yeah, dude. Jeez. So I had to make sure that all, as many homebrewers were represented as possible, and their voices were heard at least a little bit. We got at least a taste of all of them, and there's a fucking shit ton that I, you know, that I talked to. So, how much can I include from each person's 40-minute interview in a 90-minute film? You get a sentence. What's the best thing you said? That's what you get, you know, like, whatever. And a couple people who said more interesting things got, or, like, who had a more interesting story other than, I want to make an NES game. Yeah. You know, they got some longer things. People are doing really, so, so there's that. That's one component. Then I needed to pay off on, I found these illustrations when I was a kid. Here's my journey of making this game. 
which is really important. I had to add the human interest story to this thing. It can't just be about I'm completing an NES game. Why is this such an important thing to me personally? That's why you're going to care about this film. That's what this film's going to try and do. And I also need to compare it to why other people care about it, so I need to do that. Then I need to dabble into the tech side of things and what makes NES homebrewing different from making a game for an iPhone. Because the majority of people watching this will have no fucking clue, right? So I've got to go into the tech side of things. That's then I've got to also make sure that, you know, to pay off on all the great creative professionals that I've filmed, like in the scene like John Lester and James Rolfe and Ben Country, I gotta make sure I get them in there and the major professionals like David Sardi and Adam Goldberg and Piers Anthony and all these I gotta work them in then I've gotta tell the story of my art form and Austin's art form and Elizabeth's art form and how that all came together and how we had overcome the so all this shit has to fit inside a 90 minute package and there were so many like I could tell three or four movies with the footage that I took and they wouldn't share a single shot. Like, I, that's how much many stories I could tell with this footage. Um, so, when we started editing, and we were getting to the end, and we said, okay, we have to do some serious soul searching. When we review this footage, let's start putting common things together. You know, let's start, okay, these things sort of had thematically to do with each other, and these things sort of thematically had to do with each other. And it's not really chronological, but these things sort of you know, had to do with each other thematically. And as soon as we started roping things together like that, it was like, well, that, that's the fucking story. Holy shit. Like, that... It poked up like fingerprints. Like it was so obvious that this is the story, and then we had to go and you know get a shot of this and a shot of that to make it all fit together. But like at the end, for someone who is a home brewer, it's less necessarily about the community of homebrewers. Although we go into that, the whole first half hour of the film is like that. But it's also about what you go through as a home brewer. I want to demonstrate and. We, you hit on that a lot. Remember, we were hammering on that, right? So when we get to that part of the film, you'll see why those are so important. Like, you do this thing, and everyone just thinks it's a novelty. Everyone just oh, thinks, yeah. you know, they don't, like, you don't spend three years of your life on something that's just a novelty. No. And they need to know the emotional roller coaster that goes into <laughs> these things. So rather than just focus on, like, homebrew, 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 that's the story. I showed it through our creation process. This is the dramatic arc that a person who's doing this goes through. You know, so that's sort of where we landed on that, and, and why these are important to us, and why those that those those ambitions that you have that are formative when you're a kid, why they still matter as an adult, and what the consequences are of you trying to integrate them into your adult life. Yeah. And they're not always positive, you know. So that's sort of what the documentary is about. Um, so, as a homebrewer, that's what you're going to see, rather than, here's testimonials from homebrewers, right. you know? Well, I figured. Yeah, I mean, I, so... Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is how many homebrewers did you interview for this film? 20? 20. There's 200 just NES homebrewers. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm compiling it for my book. There's but 200, I and that's... I think of anyone you didn't interview. That's what I'm I, saying, though, they, like... There are a few hit me up that like wouldn't be on camera or like that kind of thing and I'm like well dude I'd like to include you somehow so like I did sneaky things like they helped me on the on a forum post so I made sure to like put their forum post response up to be real quick on the screen so they're in there and some like a it's, Goldberg style they're in there yeah, for a second they, yeah, right? they, they didn't want to be on camera 
they were uncomfortable on camera, they didn't want to talk, or whatever, and there's, there's plenty of people like that, and so, and then there was people I know that, like, reached out to me, like, I want to be on, I want to be involved, I'm like, I would love to have you involved, let's do a Skype session, and I would hear them for a lot, and I'm like, dude, it's now or never, Yeah. and, like, one guy sneaked in by, like, the last day I was editing, I'm like, if you send me this today, I'll work it in, otherwise I can't, you know? Wow. So. That's a great Hey, you guys made it! Yeah, that's the insane part is that there's so many people involved with just the NES side of homebrewing. And I like the limitation aspects you're going to talk you're about. I mean, that that's the tagline of the movie. Yeah. That, that is it, it, it is insane. I think it stems the creativity and why you guys keep on going back. And I was actually talking about this with um, Ray Caldwell from Retrotainment. How the limitations push you to your creative limits because you have to squeeze it in this tiny amount. You can't just upgrade the the size to a chip or something. Like you have to push it. And I think that's why, like he at least as a programmer goes back to the NES and doesn't want to go beyond that to SNES because he likes that limitation because you can get creative as a, you know somebody who's making the game. But he has a team, though. You guys are doing it mano a mano. That's why I say Kevin's insane, Joe's insane. Like, it takes a special type of person. Yeah. Oh, and how many games have you put out the now? The only reason I made it this far. The Eight. Only, the only reason I made it this far, far <laughs> for absolute certain, is because I've got Kickstarter backers who I'm now on the hook to them. If that hadn't happened, I would have just put it back on the shelf a long time ago yeah. and said, I'll get back to it. Yeah. Like, I don't, like, somebody who doesn't have that sort of response level of responsibility, I don't know, how the fuck? You know, like, now I feel like I can do it because now we got the tool. But it took two years to get to this point. I would have quit after six months, like, maybe before that, you know? Like, yeah. That's insane. Are you happy with how it turned out, though? The film? Yeah. Hell yeah. You are? I'm winning. And I'll tell you what, Austin. Ish. Um, Austin is super honest. He's a filmmaker. He's, you know, he would be a first one to say this isn't landing or whatever. And he has, like, when things weren't landing. We had a viewing party six months ago with two filmmakers. Um, one of the guys who was a producer invested a lot of money in the film. Another guy who we trust. And I'm like, here's what I want you to Like, I don't know if you ever read my blog post about movies. I lampoon the fuck out of movies. Like, yeah. Like, I have a, a dissertation on Batman vs. Superman and Iron Man 3 and Wolverine 3. Like, I rip them apart. So I said to them during that meeting, I'm like, here's your chance, everybody. So we had six people in the room. I'm like, destroy it. I want you to rip it to pieces. And awesome. if, but no, nobody said anything out loud. Write it down. Because where you guys are writing down yeah, the same don't things... Don't let me influence you. Well, or, or influence each other. But if they're all mentioning the same things, then I know those it's are not problems. a personal... Right. Th those thing. are issues that I need to put... Okay, yeah. I need to look into that. And there were instances of that. And so I went back and I took the edit and I started to see, oh yeah, I know that does make more sense. That does work better and whatever. When we were finally watching the night before it should appear, me, my wife, and Austin, and his wife had a little show in the house with some beers. And by the time we get to the end, he's just grinning like an idiot. He's like, yeah, that's fucking awesome. He's like, this like worked perfect. And, and, yeah, and not only that, but like the producer and the other guy who were there were like, it's like a different movie, dude. Like that's like, uh, so the fact that the people who put money into the film are like, I'm so glad I funded this. That's right there. That's a testament. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay.
coming out to open mic night at, oh wait, <laughs> um, I'll just throw up a couple of fun things up to start just to sort of get us in the mood, make sure audio is working nicely and all that good stuff. Um, so basically, this project started with $200. I had $200 on my debit card and I was like, hey, I wonder if this would be a cool thing. I don't know if this would be a cool thing. For those of you who are totally unaware, it kind of started like this. I'm, I'm from Syracuse, New York. I moved to Florida about five years ago. Uh, I ended up buying a house. My parents said, hey, you got a house, that's good. Come get your shit out of our house and bring it to your house. So I drove up there with the U-Haul and you know cleaned out, and I found this box. Of, it was a decrepit, weather-worn box out in the shed. And inside of it were these illustrations that me and a friend did about creating an NES game back in 1988 when we were eight-year-old kids, right? And we actually sent them to Nintendo and said, please make our game, like written in pencil with our ages written on a piece of paper and everything like that. And we waited all summer, and you're gonna hear all this in the documentary. But anyway, so I found these, and I'm like, holy shit, I'm a fucking programmer now. I could make this game, oh my god. And I started to realize, man, maybe this would be an interesting piece for a documentary as a filmmaker. What if we took modern creatives and tried to make a new NES game? Could we make something that's compelling and people enjoy despite the limitations, right? So honestly, I had no idea if people were going to be into this if like that was a thing that would be cool. So with $200, I had to fix my car, which was broken at the time, buy a couple of things online that I needed to do this, hire a videographer that I knew to sort of film this, and I filmed this just to see so this was our sort of like teaser, just to see if anyone would be interested. And it's really stupid and nerdy and dumb. And it was kind of almost a joke. Like, of all the creative things I've done, this silly thing. Oh, by the way, if you watch really closely, you can see where I lose my wedding ring while I'm digging up in the sand, which in the dark of light with only the car headlight, I had to dig up and find my wedding ring in the dirt pile. <laughs> you can see it in the trailer, it happens. It falls off while I'm digging in the sand, it's hilarious. Anyway, so, um, so we, we put that out onto the web, onto YouTube, and we said, hey, let's spread that to a couple of our friends that we know in the community. If it's cool, we'll do it. Overnight, it got 20,000 views. And we're like, what the fuck just happened? Like, who shared this, right? So it turned out, like, somebody from IGN shared it, and Nintendo 8 shared it, and everyone was like, you should do that, that'd be awesome. So we said, okay, we don't have the funds to do this kind of film, but uh, let's do a Kickstarter and let's see if it happens. So we launched a Kickstarter, and the Kickstarter was scheduled. We're going to see some of this in the film, but I just want to give some of you who are totally unaware of what's happening a little bit of background. And we ended up, I mean, smashing the Kickstarter goal, and we're like, okay, I, I guess this is the next film. And we really thought it was more of a novelty at the time. We really did. It was a fun project that would be cute to work on. It's so endearing that we're going to make a new Nintendo game. It's so novel of us. Fuck, we didn't know what we were getting into. We had no fucking clue what we were getting into. And what ended up happening was, over the next two years, we captured seven terabytes of video footage, traveling around the country, some of it internationally, in Norway, in England, one dude in Japan who stepped in with us, Canada, we were all over the place. Um, we filmed seven terabytes of footage. And we started cutting the footage, and we started putting similar things that we collected together into groups. And said, okay, this is sort of similar thematically, and this is sort of similar thematically. How do we bring this down to a 90-minute film? A very specific film started to emerge, and it was about a lot more than just making the NES game. 
So anybody in the room who is a creative of any type, if you're an artist, if you're a musician, uh, if you're a poet, if you're a painter, if you're whatever, uh, writer, there's probably something in this that's going to relate to you. And it's really a film about the ambitions that we sort of leave in our youth and the importance they are to like our formative identities. And what happens when we re-inject those into our adult lives, and it's not always a good thing. Sometimes there are unintended consequences. And that's kind of the film that came out. So uh, we premiered this in Sarasota two weeks ago to a sold-out crowd where I pulled up in a DeLorean and there was a red carpet and it was crazy and 80s themed and it was like huge pageantry and nonsense. Now we're in like crazy dive bar, rock it out, and this I Screening of the 8-Bit Heroes at this amazing Green Door Music Hall. It was a hall, right? It was a hall. It was a hall. We had a nice. Dive. I would say I would call this a nice intimate screening. You, you gotta call it that. And I mean, people will hear on this exact podcast your intro that was recorded. Everything's recorded on this because we're gonna make it cool. So. I watched it with an analytical hat on, as well as uh, I know every MFer you were interviewed in this, including Inverse Fates. I knew him. I was next to him in Pittsburgh. Like I'm sitting next to this dude, and I'm like, he's like, oh yeah, I know Joe. I'm like, he didn't know. He didn't tell me how he knew you. That you were sitting there making music with him and made him look like he's a musical genius by immediately being able to program music so, yeah. as you're playing that it. Was, yeah, that was not, on the fly. That was, oh, like, yeah, that's he, exactly he that was legit what happened? Yeah, dude. Like, so, so when people watch this... almost real time, dude. That, yeah. This is one thing that you, we didn't get on, I don't think we got on recording, is when people watch this movie, you may have over-traumatized things, but this shit fucking happened. Right. Yeah, there was one spot, I looked back at you. If it isn't factual. I looked back at him during the screen I'm like 
I remember when that happened and you had to recode the fucking game because you were posting that shit on social I media and I was I was chatting with your ass drunk. So, so I mean, if I get that a little bit out of order or whatever, all that shit happened. Oh yeah, there, there was some stuff like uh, some of the artwork conceptualized. It was on the first Kickstarter, got it, but it made the story run well. Right, right. And so I was initially saying this is going to be the Citizen Kane. I think it is in its own new aspect. So you you, you knocked it out of the park. With them, filmography. So, as far like, as you know, somebody who's been watching this from the original Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are your impressions? Like, what, what were you expecting compared to what you got? Like, what surprised you about the viewing experience? I'm really curious about that since you've been yeah. supportive. Yeah. So, I have, I have a lot of video game documentaries. Obviously, King of Kong, The Ecstasy of Order, The Tetris Masters. I've watched all of those. Eight the um, NES Club by Rob. I've watched all those. Those are like a classic style. You interview somebody, you do this, you do that. Yours is a fucking film. I don't know if that makes sense, if I'm accentuating it right, but the way you shot it, the emotion you brought out, the way you progressed the story, the fact that you had that much... Um, like terabytes, teraflops, little flops, teraflops of data that you compiled into a what? Well, how, how long was the actual runtime? About an hour, hour and 45, 45 yeah. hour 51 minutes. I thought I saw. I thought I saw hour 51 after credits on That's this. After credits, yeah. yeah, after credits. But either way, though, that you moved that all down there, and the way you edited it and brought it about, it looked like an actual more than a documentary. It was a film. And I don't know if that makes sense. It was never supposed to be a documentary. It was always a docu-venture or it was adventure, adventure. whichever yes. you prefer. It was an adventure. <laughs> and as I said, you should have been recording because the fact that you get moved from a theater to the Green Door Music Hall, which is essentially a bar that we've been drinking in all night, which is great, is classic Granada story. <laughs> it's awesome. And the fact that you don't have a camera with is just unfortunate, but now you get to enjoy it. Laurels, and at least we'll get it audio style on a podcast and be able to enjoy it. So, being the analyst that I am, one thing that I picked out, and it may have demotivated you when he told you this, but our buddy Pat the NES Punk, he's talking about Miyamoto and talking about Legend of Zelda and programming. So, but when when he programmed or was involved in the programming of Legend of Zelda, he wasn't programming forever, he just was starting like you. You are in your Miyamoto era right now. He was about two years into the NES by the time they released Legend of Zelda in 1986. Right. It was right after the NES was launched sure. in the Famicom. So you are in that same experience realm being two years into the game programming that you are going to make a masterpiece. And then the fact that you're doing the next Kickstarter, which I want you to plug right now, your next Kickstarter, we're going to allow people to use their creative juices to make a better than Zelda maker on a PC that goes into a cartridge. If you want to make a game for the NES that ends up on an actual cartridge and you don't want to learn to code because that's going to take you years and years to do. As you'll see in this movie. no interest in programming, but you want to create your story or your art assets 
and put those into our game engine. We're exactly. ready to believe you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the classic. Is that Joe's been showing this off all weekend? He showed it off at a couple other conventions that I saw online when he would post pictures. But I, I literally made a level, a screen in Mystic Searches, because he used his graphics Mystic Searches. I made it in like two minutes. And I had a screen, you press a button, it executes. I'm playing the fucking game. And I made it to play it in minutes. So you can make a world in a couple days easily. And then if you're making your own graphics, it's as quickly and as creatively as your mind gets to it. And that's something that people don't know they want. But with the Super Mario Maker generation, they already know it exists. So the fact that they're going to be able to take this, put it on a fucking NES cartridge, though, and it's going to execute flawlessly. Play on it, play on actual hardware. Oh, my God. I'm just saying, I'm... Day one, I'm gonna obviously be a backer, but I'm gonna support you either way, brother, because you've been we've had you on our podcast since year Day one. one. Yeah. yeah, we were you were episode early. We were doing the first Kickstarter we were on, I think. Yeah. It was before the Goldbergs happened uh, no, that you were on our podcast. Yeah. Way before you're talking about, hey, I'm not really allowed to talk about this, right. but I might be on the Goldberg. Don't put this on your podcast. Don't, don't we recorded it, but we didn't put it on our podcast. Like I don't know the date, and they we're, we're hoping that it happens. I'm like, yeah. Joe. Nobody knows we exist on a podcast. Now people know we exist. Back then, nobody knew we existed. Like, they may not. Now they'll hear the shit now. But, like, it's, it's a classic thing where things so come, come closer. Did anything about the film surprise you or... Uh, it could be bad or good, but, like, was it what you expected, what you liked it? Did, did it like, pay off on what you wanted to happen? To well, like, as a Kickstarter backer, yeah. I think it hit every nostalgic aspect I went toward it because of the new NES game. That pulled me in immediately. I'm like, let's fucking do a new NES game. I'm a homebrew collector. That's me. So I'm like, regardless that I've now become an author, when I backed your project, this was before I was a fucking author. This is before my Kickstarter got crazy. So I was getting it like, all right, we're going to get a pretty cool fucking fantasy-style NES game. I don't know where the fuck he's going with it. I saw some of the concept from your the Wii version and things, and I was like, looks pretty cool. I'm down. Um, I saw the documentary, and I knew about Rob's documentary, and I saw the Tetris one. So I'm like, I like documentaries. I'm a documentary nut. I love watching that shit. I have a whole collection of video game documentaries on my show, along with video game soundtracks about people covering video game music, and then homebrews. Those are my niches that I love in the NES. So I'm like, it hits every fucking thing. I'm getting it. And when I see this, and it's like, number one, you did it like a fucking movie instead of a documentary. When And that didn't come across in the Kickstarter. I thought it was going to be a doc. And, like, the fact that I saw that, that's way more impressive than what I expected. And then number two, the fact that you're premiering it, like you like you saw with your first premiere when you were out. Where was that out at? Um, Sarasota? Yeah. When you're out in Sarasota, you come out your DeLorean, you got your fucking wooden NES game, and, you know, but it's just classic, man. And then you had your backdrop where you're taking pictures in front of the fucking 8-bit, you know, new 8-bit heroes. And, and the other aspect that it, I don't think it really connected with me that the documentary to the, the story was going to be about the homebrewers. I thought it was just going to be about your journey, but then when you're talking about all the other homebrewers, and I'm like, fucking Memblers, crazy-ass Memblers. I shared a room with that dude at fucking Midwest Gaming Classic. Oh, yes, and John White. Oh, yes, I go way back with those guys. And then and then the fact, you know, I mentioned Inverse Phase. 
<laughs> oh my god, that would have been an insane story. I'm just saying, like all those guys that you've interviewed, I've had experiences with from just being a collector of the community and being involved. I've been on Nintendo Age since 2008, 2009 myself, and it's like it's so a, it's it a pay crazy off on what you wanted, to, how you wanted to see the community represented. Oh yeah, I, I think everybody will be highly happy with it. And my thing is, and it's from your aspect too, if it can bring more people into this community and know what they do, it's going to be a huge win because like, I'm developing a book on this and I put this out on my podcast on NES Oddities and it's going to be about the homebrew revolution and it's somewhat similar to what you're doing and I'm like, well fuck, these are some of the interviews I was going to do, like shit and it was like, I just got to ask Joe it's going to be, it's not going to be easy because doing the interviews, as you know, it's never fucking easy, but the fact is there's over 200 NES homebrews available right now on an NES that you can play. That's insane. And my thing is, just like you, deciding who you're going to put on the uh, the documentary and on the on the movie, who's going to get what screen time. I got to figure out who's going to get a full page fucking coverage of their game that they've worked years on, and who's going to get a simple mention. Because everybody mentioned did a whole lot of time. And my thing was, I was going to do an NES homebrew book, but is that going to sell? People don't know about it. But if I incorporate it with unlicensed and PAL and everything else, all of the mainstream people are going to get it that are going to be getting this NES Mini that's coming out, and they're going to get this because I'm going to tagline it as games you haven't played, and I'm going to challenge people. I guarantee you I've played every game in this book. They won't. <laughs> if they haven't played Mystic Searches, guess what? You haven't played every game in my book. And the fact is, is I can market it better that way. And I think there's going to be so many parallels. And if we can get more people involved in this, it's going to be outstanding. And this movie right here, I think it's going to be bigger than you can even imagine. But that's just me. Like, I don't know what offers you have on or under the table. But I have a feeling after they fucking watch it, it's going to be a different story. They're going to be talking. Let's hope. Glad you think so. Let's fucking hope, man. I hope they agree. Let's hope. I'm an over-analytical person, so let's hope, man. But yeah, I think this is a fucking cool-ass event. I can't wait to see what you're doing. Are you going to show this out in Connecticut? He said you may or may not. Or, We're not doing like, a showing in Connecticut. It's going to be tough. Um, but at Portland, you are. Portland, we are. In LA, we are. In New York, we are. And shortly in afterwards, if you're in the Connecticut area, you can see it in New Hartford. And, and That's a short drive. Four hours or so. Yeah. Short drive. Everything on the east is, is a, yeah. We're in the middle of New York. Actually, New York City may be closer. But you said. Since you were farther east. In New York. But, that, but that New York. Yeah, well, what was the unique aspect of the New York one? You gotta. Oh. Well, yes. So, so this is. I, I, I told you this story a little a little while ago. I think it's kind of just a neat, weird story. So when I was a kid with my buddy Matt, we started to we, we would explore the woods in our hometown, and the, those explorations in the woods led to ideas for the video game that we ended up illustrating called Mystic Searches in 1988 when we were eight years old. Absolutely, and that sort of spawned the impetus of this this film when I found it 30 years later, and. Now, what's going to happen, which is kind of interesting, is the woods that we used to explore don't exist anymore. In fact, in their place is a movie theater that we are now going to show the film that was, the that inspiration. was inspired in those woods. So, I think that's a really cool part of the story. And so, that's so going to be like the culmination. That's kind of like an ending of the tour. The inspiration of the movie 
the woods is now a movie theater. They're gonna show the movie. movie. That was the inspiration. From a venue <laughs> for sharing the adventure that took place. I'm just on saying, that same spot. That same spot. like come things coming full circle for you. Like starting with punk rock and then showing it off into punk rock and every aspect, everything comes full circle. I think. And I mean, the key is, is keeping your freaking nose to the ground and making it happen. And like the fact is, is that there you are close to making the game. You're close to getting this out there even further. Like, you already are screening it. You're a step fucking away. It's done. So, what's the next step for you? What's what's left in the realm? Disappearing off the face of the earth and having the baby in December. My luck. firstborn son. Good, no. good luck, Poor by the way. isn't even going to the Rogue One <laughs> uh, He's totally going to have a plushie of an NES cartridge in his crib. That's happening. Yep, yep. So then Austin is going to have to go in my stead to a lot of places. I'm going to represent so, the spring. So, so just so you know, the uh, the no sleep you're currently getting from all this, it's going to be less I'm just, I'm just training. I'm just training. It's going to be less than that, yep. by the way, because I have a five-year-old as well. It's going to be less than that. It's like, oh my God. But either way, though, He's going to be a gamer. Oh, yeah. Because my daughter follows my passion. She's playing Mario Paint. I actually have her in my SNES book. He's going to bring home nice. pop music for the, like, he's going to bring up, like, really bad pop music and put on the CD player. And I'm going to say, no, son of mine is going to live under my roof and play that bullshit. <laughs> I got to ask you, are you guys, do you guys have like, a website where yeah. you're going to have the best? Everywhere. Yeah. Well, of course, his website is... So Joe, as always, brother, it's been a pleasure. We got fans all around, man. They are passionate about this. As you can see, he's built a fucking connection with multiple people. I came in just to have a drink. Outstanding, brother.